So, hi everyone. Welcome to the present show. And with us, as usual, Mindful Pat. Ciao, Pat. Ciao, Lele. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being with us. And today with, uh, with Pat as well, we have a guest. So, Pat, introduce our guest. Who we have today? Today we have Manoj. Uh, his friends like to call him Manjo. And this individual is very close to our hearts personally. And we thought it would be great to have him on the show yeah. and talk about his own journey and talk about some of the great things, you know, that mindfulness has brought to his life. So Manoj, just quickly for everyone to, to get to know you a bit, you could introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for the introduction, Pat. Manjo, this, yes. Um, friends called me Manjo and I'm, and uh, Patrick and uh, Lele have been friends for the last so many months now and uh, really got to know them really well in these mindfulness programs. I'm really happy to be here. Mindfulness has been something which uh, got introduced formally in the, in, the, in the process of what we talk about mindfulness um, many years ago. Um, I've been in the search of what does this make? What does life mean? All these, all these standard questions which you have when you're in search of true meaning of life. And I've tried out multiple stuff. And then, um, then I reached last year. I would say early last year is when I kind of, in the corporate sense, in the corporate world, what do you call it mindfulness? What does it mean? How does it affect? Um, how do you affect people around you? How does that in turn affect you at home? your personal life, your professional life. I think I got introduced to that in a more formal way last year. And, you know, honestly speaking, I've been, I've been quite hooked on. It's a great drug to be on. Mindfulness, you're always on a high. Don't want to come down. And uh, it's been great. It's been great. So no complaints about uh, uh, having to spend uh, hours on this, um, on, on this practice. And the more you practice, I, I feel that I'm growing. Um, though people around me have started to notice it, they've not yet come out and said, wow, you have changed. I think the last one year, the only thing which has changed is my hairstyle from hair to back of hair. Um, maybe they think I'm getting to be a Buddhist or something. But anyway, it's all, it's all, the, it's all the great paths towards being mindful. So that's my that's my uh, quick intro about that, um, and I've kind of been uh, leading some mindfulness practices in the organization, talking to it with my friends, colleagues, family, and um, I think people who want to listen, who are interested to know more, they seem to come back and ask for more details. Some people who feel that ah, yeah, yeah, it's another fad. Uh, which uh, I'm not interested to learn about right now. Well, they they're forced to listen to what I have to say, but they don't get back. Which is fine. Which is fine. And uh, maybe well, I have a question. So you basically are came into mindfulness quite recently, right? So how how long? How many? How many? How long? Ago? A, little, a little more than a year ago, in the true sense of mindfulness. But okay. I had a different kind of meditation technique. Mm -hmm. um, I would say around five six years ago. And um, that, that, that's a technique which, I mean, if you are in India, there are enough and more options which are available for you. And you kind of, 
you are intrigued by what does this style have to teach you vis-a-vis -vis what does this style have to teach you how does that make a difference to me am i seeing a difference am i am i changing right and you realize that uh, well, it's just another technique whereas i've been quite physically active uh, but not not really paid attention to the mind and meditate internally so i've been experimenting and came across this simple mindfulness in the true crop of corporate sense about just focus on your breath right just simple breath take breathe and breathe out and uh, just being aware of your thoughts your feelings and uh, not being judgmental i think that that in that sense in that true framework of mindfulness uh, well a little over than a little over a year now so is it uh is it really possible to get rid of this non-judgmental stuff because the 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 thoughts are always there right and we're we're constantly judging right all the time, right? I like this, I don't like that, this is good, this is bad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So have you gotten to a point, because of your mindfulness practice, where you're, you're not judging? Is that something that's possible? Great question. And you don't know whether you're judging or not, unless you are aware. Um, at least, I think that, that fact, I can talk about it personally. How has it changed me is the fact that I'm more aware of the fact that I'm judging or not judging. Mm. Moment you are aware of the fact that you're judging or not judging, I think it's a choice which I then end to make, uh, end up making to say, huh, you know what? I did judge, but I'm not going to do anything with that, with that judgment, because what you have already done, you can't undo, right? A thought has already gone in your mind. You have already judged a situation, a person, what he said, what, how the other person is dressed, uh, what. So that's already gone in. It's already done. But you can't undo that. But what do you do with that? I think that has really made a, a difference by being aware of the fact that, ah, I'm judging now. Hold on. Right? And, uh, you know, times, and there are, there are times that, I, uh, unfortunately, still, I'm not perfect. You know, there's still a long, long, long way to go to become perfect. But the fact is that, I'm taking the first steps, the journey I'm in the, in the path, and uh, makes me aware of the fact that I'm judging. I think that those are those are amazing first steps for me, where I'm able to see the difference at work, at home with my wife, with my kids. So I can't complain. So all good. There's this quick story that I'll tell you about uh, perfection, and. Uh, this, this Japanese warrior spent his whole life looking for the perfect lotus flower, right? And he said, that's not a wasted life, right? Constantly looking, checking, finding, oh, this one's imperfect a little bit. This is not symmetric, right? He spends his whole life looking for this perfect lotus flower. At the end of his life, right, there's a, there's a big battle, and he, and he gets stabbed, right, by the other samurai clan. And he's lying there, right, bleeding uh, next to his closest general, right? As they're both, you know, bleeding out, dying there, there's, you know, the lotus tree and it's blossoming, right? And he says to, you know, his general, I finally get it. They're all perfect. 
Absolutely. They're all perfect. <laughs> Each to his own. And, and also, I think, you know, from you, you are also like in your uh, job, like you're a manager, right? So I guess that the non judgment helps you a lot to, to, to lead people, right? And to, to, to talk to them and to, to make sure that they are all cooperating. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I only wish that um, I started this practice a long, a long time before because, um, you know, over the period of time, I've handled teams of up to 1,000 plus people. And when you have 1,000 plus people, you obviously have many different characters, many different personalities, many different um, experiences which you come across on a regular basis. And constantly, yes, because there, there is always a comparison between, hey, how is this guy doing with the other person, with the other person? And there is constant judgment. And organizations are also designed in such a way that you have to evaluate the other person. You have to which one person vis-a-vis -vis another, you know. You, you can't escape from your annual appraisals. You can't escape from your checkpoint evaluations, which are true, with your ratings, because that, those are all ways by which organizations kind of pitch one person vis-a-vis -vis another, right? I know that increasingly organizations are going towards more collaborative feedback mechanism and saying, okay, out with all these ratings because it's not really helping. It's not really helping the individual. But the fact is that most organizations still do have the ability or still, still do have the tool to pitch one person vis-a-vis -vis another. So it is an internal competition. Uh, in organizations, you are competing with the person next to you for the next promotion, for the next cool job, for the next hike. Um, so there is judgment. There is judgment not only in terms of the final output, but in terms of, hey, how is this? person's behavior, his, his attitude. So there's always judgment there. And I, I've realized that, hey, you know, each person has got a background, has got, a, has got their own reasons for why they behave the way they are. Some people are slow, some people are fast, some people are, are, are very thorough in how they do it. Some people are very superficial. Amazing story again, right? Where if you judge an elephant on how high it can climb a tree, it's always going to feel stupid. So each each individual is different, and that's one thing which I've learned as a manager is that uh, you have to treat everybody differently, every individual differently. Whereas organizations, the wrong thing which people learn is that I have to treat everybody equally. That's not the case. You have to treat everybody differently because every person is different, and they all have their they all have their different backgrounds. They all have their different um, baggages which they which they which they come on with. They all have their um, priorities, different priorities. If you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know you know where they are in the hierarchy. And it's actually, it's helping inclusion as well, right? So to make every environment much more inclusive. But one thing I, I don't, uh, I, I sometimes, some, somebody was always asking me when I do mindfulness uh, lectures and courses, it's always, you know, what is the connection between uh, the non-judgment and mindfulness? So are two distinctive things? So how do you connect the attention practice to the judgment practice? So what would you say? Wow. Um, 
So maybe, maybe I could just quickly jump in. Um, so it's, I don't think you could get to a point where you're not judging. I think the judging is extremely important for us to do, right? We've evolved to judge and there's a reason right why we judge, but it's the non-judgmental awareness. Like Manaj was saying, right? I'm aware of my judgments. I'm aware that my employee is saying these things and I'm starting to think this, 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 but you're stepping back and you're aware of that happening. And then you're deciding, right? Based on your values and your beliefs and what's most appropriate, what you're going to say, how you're going to act. So the connection is the awareness of the judging and not getting angry or upset that you're having these judgments, right? Because you start becoming aware and you're like, why am, why am I even thinking that, right? That I see that person and I can't believe I have those thoughts, right? And you start thinking, wow, am I a horrible person? Like, am I ever going to get better? And it's being okay that you have these judgments, right? Being aware of the judgments and then acting accordingly with that new heightened sense of awareness. Absolutely. And I think, and I think the difference between judgment and attention, as somebody had asked, is, is the fact that when you're, when you're attentive, you're focused, right? You don't, you're not multitasking, you're not, you're not thinking about something else, but you're focused. And when you're focused, I think you will receive a lot more. When you receive from the other person, when you receive, how are you judging? How are you taking? Are you judging? Are you being aware of what you're receiving and then hence processing that in your mind? And then are you judging? Are you being aware of the fact that you are judging? I think that is where I think the distinction between um, being attentive and judging. Because judging is probably a result of being attentive because you can't judge unless you see something. You can't judge unless you are in the present, you are receiving something. So, and you can't be, unless you can't receive something unless you are attentive, right? So that's, that's, that, well, that's how I actually see the difference. So the fact is in order to realize that you have to be non-judgmental, you also have to receive. And in order to receive, you have to be attentive. So, Mindfulness is training both, right? Uh, trying, trying to ensure that we train our minds to be attentive. And at the same time, when you're attentive, you are aware of the fact that all these thoughts are there. And then to realize that you don't have to be non-judgmental. You have to be non-judgmental and you don't have to really um, beat yourself for every bad thought which comes in. Just say, you know, just, you know, just thoughts. So let it come, let it go. Mm. Any, any practice? Uh, you might recommend to do for for helping this process. Oh, uh, it's in my specific case again. Um, I do, I do, I do have, I do have a bracelet which I which I do wear, and um, this is something which I personally I feel that it's an anchor for me. Um, each time I feel stressed or I feel the fact that I'm going to be stressed, I'm going to be in a tough situation. I'm going to be, I'm going to be judgmental or I might be judgmental. I'm not focused enough. I, I just make sure that I'm holding on to this, rotate this. And that brings me back to the, to reality, you know, to, to ensure that I come back to folk, to, to being attentive, to be focused and uh, to ensure that I, that uh, it helps me in 
taking the right decision or the right choice. But otherwise, from a practice point of view, from purely mindfulness and uh, meditation point of view, I, I use I, I use an app. Um, Insight Timer is my favorite app. I use that all the time, morning and uh, and in the evening. Um, amazing, amazing sessions which are available. Um, in the morning, I use a guided uh, session where somebody is talking about you know a specific topic. It could be courage, it could be love, it could be um, you know, prosperity, and so on and so forth. But in the evening, I always use uh, natural sounds. So there's a way by which you can just set up a timer for you know natural waterfall or a river flowing and stuff like that, right? So I kind of use that. So those are the two two different ways by which I kind of practice uh, myself, one in the morning and one in the night. Do you feel that a lot of uh, people are open to to mindfulness, starting mindfulness? Uh, is it easy for you to convince others to, you know, to practice with you or, or to start a practice? You shed a little light into that. A great question. Um, I'm always of the belief that uh, people have to be in a certain space and a certain point of time, a certain point of time in their life in order to receive something, right? Uh, as they say, if your cup is full, I don't think you can pour anything more on the cup. You have to empty your cup. So at what point of time is your cup empty so that you are ready to receive, right? And things are getting better. People are more aware of the fact that there is this concept of mindfulness. Yes, it involves meditation. It involves attention. Uh, it involves some practice. Um, but it is hard for people to think that I need it because even now people assume that if I have to get into mindfulness, it means that there is something wrong with me, mind, you know, in my mind, I'm stressed and you don't want, I don't want to come out and say, yes, I'm stressed and hence I need it. Everybody wants to be this mature individual. I can handle life on my own. I don't need help. And unless you ask for help, I am very reluctant. So when I say ask for help, I mean, I'm just saying, if somebody comes and asks me, what is this? Tell me about it. Then I really go out and explain a lot more. Otherwise, I do my best to talk about it. And if somebody comes back, that's a great sign. Somebody doesn't come back, it means that they're not yet at a point where they're ready, that they're ready to receive. I have the same, uh, um, same situation at home as well. You know, I practice, uh, my wife looks at it and says, well, you're, you're, you're practicing, right? So she, well, she's got no issues with me practicing, but she has not got to the point where she practices, right? So maybe it takes time. Maybe it takes time for every individual to get to a point where they say, this is for me. I really want this. And I know that very recently, so this is something which has happened like two weeks back. A friend of hers reached out and said, um, I've got something going around in my family. Things are not going great. I need help. And my wife suggested Inside Timer and said, hey, you know what? This is something which seems to be working for a bunch of people. Why don't you try it? The other person tried it. Her, her friend tried it. Really worked wonders. Or at least for now, right? Based on the situation which she is in, seems to have really started to make an impact and uh, 
know, so when you are at the stage where you say, hey, you know what, I need it. When the student is ready, the master appears, right? When you are at a point when you say, I need it, I think the universe has got this amazing way to make sure that it, that it uh, appears for you. And you can learn it from anybody. It could be somebody in the bus, in the metro. It could be somebody you know from the family, from work. Some master will turn out and say, hey, you know what? Use this. This is great. It's worked for me. It should work for you. And you will be in a, in a, in a space where you're ready to receive. So I think, well, that's, well, that's been my experience, that you can't trust this on people. You can't really force people to do it because you, because, I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of course where you um, attend a five module course and take a test and say, yes, I am my, I have mind free past. It just doesn't happen that way. Right? So you can't be trusted. It, it's a it's a great point that you bring up with not just introducing it to people when they're stressed or when they need help. Uh, Phil Jackson, who was who is the coach, right, was the coach for the Chicago Bulls, Los Angeles Lakers. He introduced mindfulness to his teams and the players not when they were underperforming, not when they needed help, but when they were winning. Right. So mindfulness is also a great tool to enhance your productivity, your awareness, your focus, you know, see more, be more creative, uh, take more, you know, enhances you also, right? So it's not just for people that, that need the help and support. And that's why I think most people are now seeing the benefits. They are reading about it. They're seeing the fact that, oh, this is helping. This is helping sports teams. This is helping corporates. This is helping school kids, college-going people, everywhere, you know, all walks of life. Now, it's become such a amazing buzzword that people have started to really notice the fact that, hey, you know what, I want this. People are, well, there's a pull instead of being, instead of having to push, right? So people are asking for it. People are demanding that I want to know. Um, so absolutely right. Um, the more they, the more they, the more they feel that I, I need it, then they see, then they see the fact that there's a bigger impact, uh, um, impact some more. Good. Anush, Good. thank you so much for, uh, for coming today on the show, sharing some insight, uh, talking to us about the, you know, the, the anchor practice, which is, which is something I'm, I feel a lot of our listeners will, will pick up. Bailey, thank you also for being, as always. And, and uh, thank you for the conversation. I think, you know, thinking about, uh, we, when we talk about mindfulness, and if you see all the present show we had, we mostly talk a lot about, you know, how to practice, what are the benefits of the practice, but the concept of judgment sometimes slips away. It's not something that we bring forward. But I think it's one of the key parts. Right? And it doesn't mean like, yeah, hey, you need to love everybody and be naive, right? It just means uh, there might be some times when we have unconscious biases. There might be some times when we see a, a person and it looks in this way or it be, behaves in this way and we just perhaps don't want to approach this person and ask a question because for sure this guy is not going to know it, right? He's not going to uh, help us or he's going to reply in a weird way or he's going to just cause problems. And that is a judgment. That is something that we should be aware of. It. And maybe, maybe it's wrong. Maybe we just based it on uh, what we already know 
but what this is what we don't know so we cannot assume if we don't actually experience it right so uh, thank you for sharing this manoj with us it's uh, my pleasure lily and patch thank you really enjoyed the conversation so this concludes the present show and uh, thank you so much for being and watching and uh, see you at the next one